there, and welcome to Porsche Club Insider Episode 11. We are back at the podcast studio at 5 North Main. Special thanks to our folks upstairs, the Coffee Bar Bel Air. And I am back with our Insider crew. I'm your host, Vu Gwen, PCA's Executive Director, here with PCA's Technical Director, Manny Albin, Rob Sass, Porsche Panorama Editor, and Damon Lowney, PCA's Digital Media Coordinator. We have a special guest all the way from Germany, the man we call the Yes Man. Gentleman's been at Porsche, I believe, 36, 37 years. He's right in Stuttgart. He's the manager of factory restorations at Porsche Classic, Uwe Makrutsky. Uwe, welcome. A warm welcome as well from my side. And although we're seeing him online today, we had... Uh, we were very fortunate that he was with us last weekend. Was it last weekend? Two weekends ago. Two weekends ago at Works <laughs> Reunion, and we'll get a little bit more into that. But Uwe, as we go through our topics until we get to Works Reunion and until we get to the Classic Club Coupe, I welcome you to you know chit-chat with us on any of the topics that we cover. My pleasure. So, so let's just jump right in. We, we've, been, we've been doing quite a bit uh, in the club, and um, we won't go into cars, uh, projects that we've been doing personally, because we've got a lot to cover. But we do want to cover some news, Porsche news, and probably headlining. And many people may know supply chain issues, but what that means to Porsche. Well, there's a lot of disappointed people, obviously, who are putting orders in for Porsches and uh, and dealers that are waiting for Porsches and throw in the whole boat sinking fiasco um, uh, yeah, obviously, the uh, the crisis and the war in Ukraine has affected uh, the supply chain, and um, yeah, Porsche has announced uh, pretty much a the halt of definite uh, shutdown uh, because I, as much as I think as anyone who's in uh, manufacturing can plan for backup suppliers, uh, I don't think anyone plans for a war right. of this magnitude where um, you know your your supply chains cut like this. I mean, it was hard enough to have planning for a pandemic, but uh, throw in a war, yeah, it's got to be tough for everything uh, in Europe right now. And Uwe, I don't know how much you can comment, uh, but we believe, we understand that uh, wiring harnesses and such come from the Ukraine. Uh, obviously, the in, in Germany and being part of the war, this supply chain issue, as much as we love our cars and wish they are available, but we certainly understand the difficulties that manufacturers such a, as Porsche is going through. So for, you know, I thought I'd just mention that real quickly. We don't need to go into politics and such, but um, we do understand that there is an issue, but Porsche is going to do their best to, I'm sure, catch up at some point when they can. Um, more, more on the fun side, I know that Mr. Sass went to Texas to an event called South by Southwest, which I don't know much about. Uh, and, and the reason why you went is because Porsche had a presence there. So maybe you can share with our listeners what went on there. Yeah, Porsche was doing something called uh, Porsche Unseen, and uh, they were showing some of the concept cars that had uh, never before uh, been seen that they showed pictures of uh, probably about six or seven months ago. But the biggest thing there was uh, an announcement that they did in conjunction with Pixar, uh, the animation studio in, in California, uh, Jay Ward, uh, who's the creative director of franchise for the Cars series of movies, was there, along with Bob Pauly, his co-worker of 20 years, who's a character designer. And uh, they talked a lot about, they actually had Sally Carrera there. They talked a lot about 
the origin of how they actually built uh, a functional uh, life-size Sally Carrera out of a 996 that was called from the press fleet. But they, uh, the big announcement was that they are doing a 992-based Sally Carrera-inspired one-of-one car uh, that they are going to auction with RM Sotheby's at a date to be announced later. And that was a lot of fun to see. I mean, watching uh, two giant creative talents like Jay Ward and Bob Pauly talking about the origin of Sally Carrera and then talking about this updated version that's going to be a 992 in, in the, you know, the signature color of Sally uh, Blue with some updated, uh, I think, either 20 or 21-inch versions of the classic 18-inch turbo twists. It looks like it's going to be really uh, interesting. And uh, Porsche also announced during South by Southwest that uh, one of the charities that the car sale is going to benefit uh, is going to be uh, uh, Ukrainian children, uh, refugees, uh, kids who've been impacted and, and displaced by the war. So I thought that was uh, uh, a particularly wonderful touch uh, by, by uh, PCNA and Porsche AG. So the car itself, it, uh, you know, we've been fortunate to have the 996, the original Sally Carrera at uh, Porsche Parade, and we've seen it at the museum and other events around PCA. That was not really a functioning drive. I mean, you could drive it, but you couldn't see out the windshield, really. There wasn't, up and, there wasn't yeah. much of an interior, and it was shortened, and it was a caricature-shaped vehicle. Um, this car that they're building, I'm guessing it's like Sally Carrera-themed, but it's not going to be a caricature of a car. Correct. It's not going to have seven and a half inches chopped out of the middle or, or whatever. It's going to be a you know road legal, fully functioning car that just has some of the the cues and the stylistic touches of, of the original Sally Carrera. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun. Like I said, to watch them elaborate on on the origin of of Sally and and uh, the challenges of building that. And um, one of the things that was interesting, I think we've talked about this, but a story that we did about. Um, I don't know, about a year ago on Panorama, about these two Safari 996s, uh, we think that uh, the Arena Red car in that story might have been the one that was was donated to build Sally. So we're, mm. we're going to try and, and do what we can to uh, substantiate that. But a lot of things point to uh, to that. Interesting. You know, I'm, all, I'm just wondering, uh, what would a 992 handle like if you cut seven inches off the wheelbase? It probably would spin like a top. I mean, you're t basically taking stability away from the platform, right? Yeah, it'll turn quicker though, right? It could be fun. <laughs> well, Porsche can build a classic club coupe. They can certainly do this for us. <laughs> Just ask Uwe. <laughs> a little bit on the sadder note, a, a dear friend of PCA's racing legend, uh, Vilk, Vic Alford, um, is no longer with us. Man, you want to share some of your experiences with Vic? Quick, yeah, Vic. Yeah, Vic was a he, he was a legend in the '60s and '70s, uh, uh, primarily with Porsche, and uh, he was one of the few people um, that loved the 917, where everyone else told nightmare stories about the early days of the 917. He uh, he loved it. He also got along great with Fernand Pieck, which a lot of people did not. And in fact, uh, Pieck even wrote the foreword on uh, Vic Alford's book. Um, so he was a uh, and he was a great friend of PCA. A lot of members got to hear him speak at uh, at PCA dinners. Uh, I used to joke that I heard him speak so much that I could probably recite every story verbatim. Uh, but I did get the opportunity to do a rally one time, a gimmick rally, 
uh, I was there as president of the club as a guest, and he was the guest speaker. So he put us together in a 996, and I remember that it was in Florida. It was in May. Uh, Vic does not like air conditioning, so he asked if we could do it uh, with the windows rolled down. And uh, it was right after lunch, and anyone who knows me knows I can fall asleep very quickly <laughs> after lunch in a car. And uh, I was terrified of falling asleep uh, while um, – th- terrified of falling asleep while driving, and more importantly, him judging every shift, every everything I did while I was driving for two hours. So I asked him if he wanted to drive, and he said, sure. And I jumped in as navigator, hoping that I would stay awake as well. Um but it was amazing to watch him drive. Just a gimmick rally. He every everything was a double clutch. Every uh, time he downshifted, it was heel and toe. But it was effortlessly, like it was just mm-hmm. second nature. It was just. And when we missed a couple turns, we had to calculate, you know, how many, um, how much we missed. And I just, I said, I think we, it was like a half a mile off. And he was like, Well, actually, it was three hundred and twenty-five meters, I think. Wow. And, he, and he's like, Does that sound right to you? And I'm like. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. You won, the, you won the Monte Carlo rally. I didn't, so yeah. I will go with what you say. And didn't he have a photographic memory? Yeah, he told me that uh, he had a photographic memory, and that's why he was able to memorize the Targa Florio, uh, the Newburgh ring so quickly. And uh, he, you know, he said in interviews that you could uh, blindfold him, spin him around, and stick him anywhere on the Targa Florio, and he would know where he was and what year to be in and what the next turn was. Yeah, and unfortunately, his photographic memory was used against me. Um, I met him initially when I was in pretty good shape, and uh, a few a few years later, I met him, and he goes, "What happened to you?" Because <laughs> I gained a few pounds. So what he remembered of me and the present version of Vu was a uh, a little bit different. And that's that's the type of guy that he was. He was just so approachable. Um, you know, we I too got to uh, do a, a tour with him and. It was very nervous having him in the passenger seat, and he kept himself busy. He signed the um, the uh, sun visor in, in one of our cars, and he was just a joyful, delightful person, so knowledgeable, and just an amazing driver, a long-standing history, and just coveted by Porsche and coveted by so many PCA fans. So farewell to you, my friend. Um, hopefully you're racing up there and look down on us and make sure that uh, we, uh, we, we, we stay on the line. So let's go right into the Amelia. Uh, the Amelia this year was a little bit different, um, and then we'll talk. We'll kind of go backwards and talk about works. What What do you guys think of the Amelia? Um, I, I think as far as far as the Porsche fan, uh, they had an incredible display of aluminum uh, bodied race cars from Porsche. Um, and the one that I've always wanted to see in person is the one that has the. Uh, it looks like a little airplane wing on top. Mm. It's a 550 Spider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a big, yep. big wing right over top. It almost looks like an add-on. It was. I yeah. mean, uh, and um, I think uh, the story goes that uh, it did so well that the Hushka von Hanstein, the um, PR and racing director at the time, immediately went to protest it because it wasn't a factory entry mm-hmm. uh, because it was doing so well. As you can imagine, now, it, uh, that, now what we know about aerodynamics, it was just a giant wing on top of this car. So I'd never seen that car in person. I saw pictures of it on the Road Scholars uh, Instagram. So I'm glad uh, that came out. And they had, uh, uh, I think Bruce Knapp was 917, some 956s, 62s. It's a good showing um, of Porsche cars. I, I got a lot of comments that there were less cars overall, um, which uh, you know I couldn't answer to why. Uh, either they're doing that on purpose or 
maybe people just didn't show up this time because of uh, COVID concerns. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I would also say there's still plenty. Like, I still didn't get to see everything. I mean, there was a lot of cars. And it's just obviously not just the Porsche Mark, but, you know, on the other side of the field, just, you know, old school, you know, 20-foot cars that I don't even know the brand of. There's still a lot of amazing cars to see. Yeah, it was beautiful weather. It was uh, not a bad way to spend a uh, sunny afternoon. Yeah, and Porsche had a nice uh, big stage on there. And center stage was our beauty. Uh, Uwe, here's where you can jump in. Um, it had our classic club coupe. But before we talk about the details of the classic club coupe, let's talk about Works Reunion. We had an amazing event. Who wants to share the details of the event? Well, why don't you tell us since you... Uh... <laughs> I set it up for myself. We had a record amount uh, of cars to be judged, 165 cars to be judged. We had close to 700 cars in the corral. We had a 996 uh, corral. I think the 996 corral had 50-some cars. Uh, friends and family of the Ingrams, I believe, brought uh, like nine off-road Cayennes. Uh, Jerry Peters brought a modified Outlaw 356. I mean, it we had 20, I think 27 exhibitors. Uh, again, the largest ever. And it looked to me, unfortunately, I'm typically tethered to the stage during the whole event. So I only can see like the radius around the stage. But you guys that were walking around, how did it feel to you? Did it feel bigger? Did it feel the same or... Oh, it was a 959 we had. Oh, yeah? We had a, a 918. Courage GT? Two Courage GTs. Two Courage GTs. Yeah. I didn't even get to uh, see them. Yeah, it was a yellow and I think a, was it a silver one. I don't think I saw the silver one. Uh, like Vu, I didn't get around the whole show um, doing some video. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you could spend all day, especially in the corral. Mm. It was just, because some of the best cars are in the corral. They're just, you know, not on the judge field. But uh, we do the corral by uh, model, too. So, you know, you can see all the Caymans, all the Boxsters together. It was a, uh, once again, the weather was phenomenal. Um, great food at the food trucks. It was uh, definitely a record turnout, and uh, I was glad to be back to normal. You know, yeah. the, uh, the judge cars, you know, it's always impressive to go see them, you know, which is where all the, the vendors are. You walk over to the corral, though, and um, I kid you not, you look down the fairway, and you can't see the end of the Porsches. It's there are a sea, so a sea many of Porsches, Porsches, right? It's a sea of Porsches. You can't see the end. Yeah. So Uve, this was the first time you had been to Warks Reunion, Amelia Island, I believe. What was it like for you for the first time? For me, it was a, a wonderful event at a perfect location, and of course, um, on stage, my personal superstar. Yes. And what he's referring to is the, the worldwide reveal of the classic Club Coupe. And thank you to Porsche for actually providing the stage and the LCD screen that we had this year. Um, they've stepped it up for our event, so I think we're going to have to plan on having that uh, year after year. But it was really a wonderful foundation for us to pull the covers off the uh, classic Club Coupe. And uh, I think we, we definitely made some people, uh, you know, jaws drop as they saw it because they had no idea that we were going to unveil a new car, an older car, a rest, you know, restored car, and for us to have chosen a 996 to be restored. So I think for, for us to talk more about the classic Club Coupe, maybe Uwe, we'll talk about 
Uh, and Manny, you were you were there also when we um, the, the the idea started. And uh, there's some photos of me. Um, I happened to bring some In-N-Out Burger memorabilia with me to the event because that's where it all started for this car. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I think it was the first or second meeting we had, and the idea was posed as to because uh, we had done uh, a restoration of a '73 um, 911T mm-hmm. back at uh, was it 2008? I think it debuted. Yeah, the, we um, raffle. I think we raffled. 2008, excuse me. 2011 at Savannah. Parade, Savannah. Yep. We uh, revealed it, and that was our first really cooperation with Porsche Classic, and um, so we wanted to do something again. And of course, they brought the idea of a newer car. And we zeroed in on the nine nine six, but at the time, it, you know, we loved the um, the sport classic nine nine seven. Never came to the U.S., so we, you know, I remember us bringing that up and talking about a GT three engine, talking about the double bubble roof, and everything we said. I remember uh, Mr. Alex Fabig going <laughs> shaking his head that there's no way they can do that. Our our <laughs> beloved friend Alex, Mr. Fabig. But thankfully, we had Uwe, yeah, our Uwe yes man, sitting saying, right next to him. That. No, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> and we really did throw every single wish. Uh, you know, I mean, if if you're developing a car, a potential project, like why not ask for the moon? Honestly, we didn't think that we would get everything. But Uwe, what was it like when we threw out there, you know, double bubble roof, GT3 engine transmission suspension um sport classic themed interior sport classic exterior ducktail fuchs wheels i mean that's just a, a smattering of of what we asked for you always said yes but deep down inside what were you thinking so honestly um um when I heard about this idea, um, I was very motivated to realize this um, project to build this car. But of course, I, I knew that this would be challenging. Um, we, most of those um, special features um, we never did before. But um, on the other hand, I know what my team is able to do. Um, this was the most important thing and the most important point um, I, I told you all the time, yes, we can, um, <laughs> we'll make it. <laughs> well, the, the thing with, with Uwe and, and Porsche Classic, when we do a project with them, and same thing with um, Porsche Exclusive, our, our, our buddy Boris, it's, it's always a statement, right? It's always a statement when we pick a project car that, um, you know, when I was looking for a donor car for the 73T, I found a good number of examples that were not in too bad of a shape. But the car that Porsche Classic chose to restore was a basket case that I found on eBay. Now, the 996 that we found wasn't as, well, maybe it was, as, well, it wasn't as bad as the ba- basket case of the 73, but it was in a poor state of disrepair that was sitting in the back lot of a local Porsche dealership that barely ran. The rear suspension was broken, but it was just a plain Jane 99 C2, um, you know, an early 98 build, which we thought was, that's probably was the coolest thing about the car. It was an early build car, but it was just kind of left to be forgotten. And then we picked it up and sent it over 
to to first to PCNA um, for them to kind of look over the car and get it into a more shippable condition. Um, and then it, then it was flown over to you all. And what was it like when you saw the car for the first time? Yes, the car. Um, so um, we are used to to receive cars uh, in a in a in a bad uh, state in a in a bad condition. Um, but in my mind, in my head, of course, I I I, I knew the the master plan. Mm-hmm. I I knew what we uh, want to create. So um, it it doesn't matter the the, the bad state and and, and uh, the bad condition. So we just uh, used. Uh, um, the, the the body shell um, and the 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 other things. Of course, we we would take new or work it on by hand. So um, I was very very relaxed uh, when I saw this nine and six driving. <laughs> so the the seventy three T restoration, although it was a basket case, it was you know stripping that car down and building it back to pretty much stock condition and use utilizing. Porsche Classic parts. I know you even brought back some of the artisans or the the, the folks that worked on um, the 73Ts on, on the production line. You brought some of those folks back. You used jigs that Porsche Classic had saved to just measure out the car. But here, the 996 project was quite different because you weren't restoring it to original condition. We are now throwing at you to transform this car into a car that never existed. And um, maybe you can share with folks sort of the challenges of, you know, the, the requests that we made and what you had to do to the car to make it all work. Yes. Um, so as you already mentioned, uh, our main business is to restore um, Porsche original cars into the original state and in the factory new state. Um, this is what we do every day. Now this project, um, this is an absolutely unique car, full of special features of unique things. So um, every day um, we um, discussed um, several points. Um, this was not an automatic, automatically running uh, show. Um, we shared our thoughts, we shared our experience um, all the time. And uh, we, 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 we did it step by step. Um, the challenges uh, were, were more or less um, tricky or not so, because we have the skills. And the, 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 the team, um, they, 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 like, they like such um, unique projects um, because they are as well humans and, and, and they're, they're normal, normal business. Um, of course, they like it as well. But the, the, a, a unique, a special factory one-off is some over the top. Yeah, and you can definitely feel that when you visit uh, the Porsche Classic facility, that people there, yes, they are working, but they are very passionate about what they do. And when they're creating one-off pieces, I know we created some uh, over at Exclusive, the unique um, threads on the steering wheel and such, like that was all handmade. And it takes a level of passion to do it. And it's just not their standard daily job that they're doing. One of the things that people don't understand is, you know, you could take someone here stateside, could take a 996 to maybe to a local shop and try to make modifications to a car in similar fashion to what we did for the classic Club Coupe. But when Porsche does it, 
there's a lot more behind it because you have to stand behind it. So maybe Manny, you want to share with folks like things they do to make sure that these modifications work. Yeah. So obviously when this card came out, uh, on the forums, people were uh, saying, I want to build a card that looks just like this car. You know, I love the, uh, the look of it. And, uh, yeah, you can buy a tail for 996 a ducktail. Uh, there's aftermarket people that sell it. Um, I know when I when, when I asked for the uh, double bubble roof in my head, I thought, well, I'll just order a 997 from the Sport Classic and just stick it on top. It can't be that hard. Uh, but there's more to that when a manufacturer does this um, because everything has to um, adhere to safety regulations mm-hmm. and even aerodynamic because uh, I know you'll go into how a lot of this stuff was tested in a wind tunnel, which I can guarantee you the people who are making these aftermarket are not doing this. They're doing it for more aesthetics, but not so much functionality. Uh, but this all had to, uh, you know, from the height of the brake light, everything had to be uh, within uh, spec for um, the different, uh, you know, uh, governments and regulations. So it, it was um, it was a tall asking order for a one-of-one car mm-hmm. that they were going to build. Uh, this isn't, uh, like you said, a shop that can says, uh, you know, we can do this, we can do this. We we watched this on shows on, uh, you know, on Motor Trend TV, all these. Um, in one hour, they modified this car, and there's nobody checking them. There's no government regulations saying, no, you can't do that. Right. Or Porsche doing this, they're, everything's on them eyes-wise. Right, and it's not just, as Uwe said, it wasn't, you know, not just bolt, bolting things in, you know, you change the, the shape of the roof, you add a ducktail, you're using a GT3 front bumper, GT3 uh, side aprons, like that all changes the aerodynamics of the car. And I think what Manny was hinting to, to make sure that all of that works, there is a vehicle that you call Frankenstein, right, Uwe? Right, and that's a funny story around. Um, one of the most important things is we are not talking about a show car, uh, to display. No, we are talking about a car which works amazing. So uh, a, a wonderful performance. But to make this, um, to clarify this, to make this sure, um, we need a lot of testings. So, but we don't want to use this new car um, to uh, test it tough and hard. Um, so we, we, we would lost the factory new state. So the idea behind was, let's take a GT3 um, from the museum and just... um, (laughs) Let's just back and let's just stop right there. How do you make a request of, can we borrow this GT3 from the museum? We're just going to do a little testing on it. Be sure, be sure this was not that easy, easy that it sounds. Um, the co- of course, the colleagues of the museum, they, they have the, the, they are responsible for taking care of those cars and, and they ask twice, guys, what, what do you want to do? Tell me the truth and uh, let's talk about this crazy story. But at the end of the day, we, uh, they, they were, um, of course, um, excited as well, and we, we we they gave us the car and we fixed those parts we uh, we wanted to test. And of course, such a car must have a special name. Um, uh, we call this car Frankenstein because it looks that ugly. <laughs> and uh, but it, but it was very helpful for realize this all those testings. And that's that's important part is like you said this was not just a 
a uh, exercise in design. It wasn't just for a show car. Like you're building this car, expecting that someone is going to drive it, drive it at speed, and enjoy it for what it is. And you need to test to make sure that everything that you've done to that car is going to work. Obviously, we don't want, we wouldn't want you to flog a brand new car. So you borrow a car from the museum, do similar changes to it, and you measure things out. Pretty darn cool. Now, the, we're, we've talked about sort of the, the the obvious things that you've bolted onto the car in, in terms of like the engine, the transmission, um, the roof itself. And we say ducktail, but to adapt a ducktail to a 996, there was a lot of things and the roof as well. There were a lot of things that were done by hand, the old school way. Uh, maybe you can elaborate on that. Absolutely. So um, uh, the, the, the basic idea re- regarding the ducktail was um, the shape of the 997 uh, ducktail um, was already uh, perfect, um, but uh, the, the part itself doesn't fit on the 996. So this was the challenge. So what we did, uh, we, have, we are very experienced uh, in glass fiber works. So we um, we did a own we we did a own uh, tool. Um, we 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 took the shape of the real lid from the Milan Seven Sport Classic, and we did um, a tool for the nine nine six basic lid, real lid, and then in combination we um, created both parts from glass fiber and put them together. Mm. Sounds that easy, but took about three months. <laughs> wow. wow. And the, the transition piece uh, below the rear window that goes in between the window and the, the ducktail, that too was a custom piece. Exactly. So when we when we had fixed the, the real the real ducktail um, spoiler, and uh, Grant Larson, our designer, um, came to the factory restoration and we, sh- we, we showed him the result and he double checked it and uh, he wasn't um, happy mm. because the, 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 the line of the, of the, uh, from the roof, the rear window and the, the, the ducktail wasn't perfect enough. So uh, the the plate between he he told us we have to um, change uh, the, the the shape and um, this uh, was as well hundred percent handmade handmade and and we but fortunately we have one guy in our body workshop he is used to do such things and fortunately he was successful yeah and it, it looks it obviously it looks factory it looks very perfect it <laughs> follows the shape and um the the artisan and the skill set that he has to make that piece is it's just amazing and, and and it carries on was he the same person that did the double bubble roof as well right right exactly he, he's this our is, guy uh, right it's, it's his name is uh it's marian and um yeah double bubble uh, roof as well this special plate is was his um work yeah, and uh, I know when we originally asked for the double bubble roof, we didn't know if we were going to get a quote unquote real double bubble roof because we wasn't sure. We weren't sure if you could remove the existing. I think it was a sunroof roof, and then put on another roof, or it would just be a double bubble skin 
above the existing roof, but we, we, or you did it the correct way. It's not just a skin that's applied above the existing roof. It actually replaced the original roof. Right. As many already mentioned, um, we are talking about uh, legal things, um, warranty, and uh, we are the, we are the, the, the Porsche factory. So, um, it must be 100% safe, 100% legal, and so a compromise uh, isn't allowed. Right. And speaking of no compromise, can you share with us, you know, adapting the GT3 drivetrain, transmission, engine, suspension, and brakes? What did you have to do to the base, you know, C2 um, frame and, and, and such to adapt the higher performance level equipment? So, so you know, on the on one hand, uh, it was uh, it was more or less easy to order those parts from our uh, warehouse, but um, this was not plug and play because the the frame, the body frame, um, there are uh, different um, fixing points. There are different um, the different construction behind. And uh, this doesn't fit. This is not matching. So we have to figure out um, with our colleagues from the development department, Weissach, um, they um, shared with us the, 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 the basic um, construction plans from, the, from this year, um, from the 996 Carrera, as well uh, from the 996 GT3 Generation 1 and 2. So we figure out what we have to change, what we have to weld, where we must uh, create more st- uh, body con- stability. And this took as well some weeks um, to discuss, to figure out at the end that we have this master plan, we we know what to do, and then we could realize this. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, just again, we haven't shared so many of the um, in construction photos just yet. We did a we did a video drop. Amy, you want to talk? We talked the video that we dropped recently on it. Uh, yeah, there was a um, a secret unveiling on February fourteenth where the uh, PCA Executive Council um, was able to see the car for the first time, and uh, the video is a mix of uh, footage, beautiful footage of the car. Uh, there, as well as at Works Reunion and PCA President Tom Gorsuch talks about the project as well. Um, it's a very cool video if you want to see how the light plays on the car, you know, as the camera is sweeping by. It's it's um, worth checking out on our YouTube channel. It's a short watch, it, a little over a minute. It's a great teaser. Uh, we have, I believe you're planning on, we've took a ton of footage, tons of interviews. Uve's included lots of interviews to, to talk about the process of the car and how it came to be. And that full video, I think, is probably going to be sometime... In June, in yeah. June? Okay. Well, we should be uh, debuting it at a parade if everything goes to plan. And uh, yeah, it'll have it should have footage from the uh, when the car was being built in Porsche Classic in, in Germany, mm-hmm. um, as well as the footage that we've gotten here in the U.S. Yep. So let's talk a little bit. There's a lot of Easter eggs on this car because Uve is not only you know he and the team at Porsche Classic didn't just deliver on the things that we asked for when we saw the car and and every now and again he would drop hints of did you see this did you see that like there's more and more Easter eggs on this car that maybe we should share. I mean there's the interior probably the most stunning thing. I think Grant Grant is probably most 
proud about is the interior of the car. Probably the most challenging thing to do on this interior was the very unique Pepita interior. You want to talk about that, Manny? I, I want to know since I, <clears throat> I only did like the first or second meeting and then I finished my term on the executive council and then I went into a dark mode where I didn't, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. until uh, I heard the term Project Gray. Yeah. And then I realized that was the uh, car that we had talked about many years ago. Um, was that hand-woven leather ever done on any other Porsche? I don't think so, right, Uwe? That was that was the first time that we've... That, so the pattern inside, the, the, the material on seat inserts in the classic Club Coupe is a Pepita pattern, but most of the times Pepita pattern is a cloth material, yeah. whereas this is a woven leather material. And I don't believe it's been right. in any other car, right? No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, this is, was the first, absolutely first time we did this. Yeah, and, and the challenges that uh, Grant and Uwe uh, had shared was, if you can imagine, working with um, a fabric is much easier than working with leather. Then you compound the issue of leather by working with woven leather. So now maybe there's a thin thin leather that you can manipulate and make it sit properly or, or wrap around a corner. But now when you weave that leather, it's extra thick. And again, unlike a, a, a local shop that might just find some material and, and throw it around a door panel or something like that, the, the manufacturer has to not only make it look good, make it fit, but there are properties of this leather and, and, and uh, regulations that whatever it's covering, flammability, durability, they're selling it as, you know, it's, it's, it's their, their pride and work and it has to meet these, these standards. And uh, how did you get around working with this thick material versus what they normally do? Yes, um, we, we can't change the thickness of the woven leather. So we uh, have to figure out what could be the solution. And there was just one solution. We have to work on uh, those parts we want to cover with this woven leather. This, this sounds as well very easy, but um, it isn't. Because um, um, to um, make things thinner, um, there you have the risk to, um, to hurt uh, the stability um, and the functionality. So this is as well uh, craftsmanship and, and you need to have uh, best of skills um, to, and, a, and, a, and a really good eyes for recognize when, it, when you reach the, 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 the level of thinness. Mm -hmm. Then you can cover uh, the part with this woven leather. Yeah, and the and then the surprises in the interior continue even past the leather. If you, most people just kind of look into the interior and look at the seats, but if you look up, the in, the material that is covering the roof, I believe, is fairly unique to the classic Club Coupe as well. Absolutely, this Alcantara um, looks so so amazing um wonderful and um fortunately this this material is good to work on and uh, peter what is our saddler is um very familiar with this um stuff so um this works very smooth 
And uh, of course, you you know it. The result is as well wonderful. Yeah, and it's not just standard Alcantara or Racetech, whatever the the new name is, but it's also it's perforated. So it has a t- it has a completely different look than your standard Alcantara, and it, it's where you know we've talked about this in other shows where I'm I'm I personally am not a fan on like Alcantara on the steering wheel and shift knob and this and that and the other, um, and the the classic club coupe. I'm not saying it's because I don't like it, but um, you know I think where we have the Alcantara in the classic club coupe is exactly where it should be, and there isn't Alcantara where I don't think it shouldn't be. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> so yeah, I think you just did it. You did it just, just, just right. And and the um, you know on on and it, it continues on to the gauges of the car as well. The the theme of the sport classic continues with the stripes on on the gauges. The use of club blau. Uh, Manny, did you catch uh, the hints of club blau? Because we didn't overdo it on this car. Where did you see club blau on it? I believe I saw it on the uh, the center. Um What's it called? The little stripe? The center marker. Center, center marker, yep, right. of the steering wheel at the 12 o'clock position. I don't think yeah. it's called that, though, but I'll go with that right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and there was a... Um, it was on the stripes, was it? Was, it? It, was, it was bordering on the stripes. Um, the, the side stripes was actually unique. That was a Grant Larson design um, and a little bit of Club Blau there. If you had looked at the caliper, the brake calipers, they were black, bla- black brake calipers with club with Porsche and club blau which was very cool um if you looked at the wheels and we'll talk about how unique the wheels are these Fuchs 18 inch Fuchs they had um Porsche on the lip of the wheel as well in club blau and that was a pretty big deal having the word Porsche absolutely because uh, the last time I can remember where the word Porsche was on the rim or the wheel like that was the speed line 3.6. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anything happened in between then and now, but that's, uh, I hadn't seen that in a, since uh, 94. And the, the idea of having a Fuchs, you know, traditional Fuchs look on a modern car, we see wheels out there. There's some aftermarket companies that do this, but Uwe, maybe you can share why the wheels on these classic club coupe are actually very, very unique and they are one of one. Yes, you, you mentioned it already. Um, so we we, we we are talking and uh, working together with Fuchs, uh, the factory. Um, we figured out together um, uh, to, on one hand, creating um, a unique uh, wheel, uh, but with a stamp with the um, with the special features for the Porsche Club of America. So um, the result uh, is absolutely. Um, matching to the car. Um, what we plan is to um, bring this car um, in our production, in other um, um, product um, um, warehouse. So, but uh, I think um, it's a, a, a wheel is the other shoes uh, of a car. So um, we did a, a great design um, step in the right direction. You're absolutely right. The uh, the wheels make a difference very much on the presentation of the car. And uh, I, I'll share a little Porsche Club Insider here. When um, the car was just about ready, we did a Teams meeting with Uwe and the crew, and they gave us a glimpse of the classic Club Coupe. But at the time, it was wearing 
like these bright red or bright orange. I don't know what kind. I don't remember which wheels they were, but they weren't the Fuchs wheels because they weren't ready just yet. And the car was still stunning, but we didn't know how truly stunning the car would be until we saw it at the unveiling um, at Porsche Cars North America in Atlanta because we had never seen it with its Fuchs on. And to see it with the Fuchs on it, it really does transform the car. Wheels make a huge difference. Um, and I'm glad we chose 18-inch wheels for the 996. As you know, a lot of people now go 19s and 20s. Is there is there an inge- I mean, I I prefer the 18, but Uve, is there an engineering reason to go with an 18-inch wheel for a 996? Yes, very very important point because once again. Um, of course, we would be able to do 19, 20, 21, everything would be possible. But um, then we would, um, wouldn't have a technical perfect car. Um, then we would walk into the direction show car. Mm-hmm. Because the performance, the performance of this car must be absolutely GT3-like with all this perfection and uh, fitting this 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 big wheels uh, oversized wheels would be perhaps um, look good but it doesn't work yeah so speaking of GT3 performance you know obviously we haven't driven the uh, classic club coupe at speed or anything like that because we want to keep it as new as possible for um, you know its uh, new owner but when you did you get a chance to drive you know Frankenstein the you know, what the, the classic club coupe was similar to, what's the driving experience like of a GT3 engine car with less aero um, or the aero that you've designed for the classic club and, coupe? And, and where was this driving done? Because, <laughs> and the reason I ask is because uh, I was amazed that there was no photos of this car leaked out. Yeah. Uh, and I would think that uh, if I saw a, a 996 with a ducktail, and I could see a double bubble roof, I would get my phone out very quickly and start taking pictures because this was something I'd never seen before. So was it driven at Wysock? Was it driven at night? How did you hide the, from people taking pictures of this car? Good question. Um, of course, uh, uh, we, we, you, are, you must drive this car uh, middle in the night, middle mm. in the night. Mm. Um, no traffic, no guys. And you have to to drive it on tracks, um, no traffic, no traffic, far far away from the city, um, to small villages, um, less people, uh, old people, no no smartphones, (laughs) (laughs) no Instagram, no Facebook. (laughs) so there you go if you're in germany you want to stay up late because you might catch some very important cars and before i forget uh this shows this is why i love porsche and just their attention to detail and how they obsess over it so the night before the big reveal uh you know we go back to the uh golf course uh, because once again we are in the middle of the night when no one's there we're going to unload the club coupe and uh, put it on display so no one can take pictures of it no one can see it and uh, it, it was a whole uh, you know, project of getting this thing off the trailer, then putting it on the golf course, then rolling it up on the platform. Uh, and once they had it on the platform, it was a, and I'm not joking, this was a, remember, this was oh, a, a high-level discussion because they had never been uh, for, uh, you know, presented with the uh, dilemma, does the, does the, how, do, how do you position the wheels? 
because right. they had never had the word Porsche. Right. And they weren't sure where Porsche goes, where the stem goes, where the, how the, uh, the crest goes. This, I think they almost made a call to Germany <laughs> because they were so uh, worried about not having it correctly and what the uh, Porsche enthusiasts would say if this car wasn't presented. Uh, so I think we left before they finally decided. We figured there was too many chefs in the kitchen, yes. so we left. And, and for those of you that don't know, is if you have your center cap on your wheel, the bottom of the crest <clears throat> always points to the, uh, the, the valve stem, right? But now with the Porsche with the classic club coupe 180 degrees from the stem is where it has uh porsche the porsche lettering script yeah. in in club blouse so that that was the dilemma and we didn't want to make that call so we left and uh <laughs> so they, they 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 presented it i believe in the traditional way yes. where the valve stem was at the six o'clock uh point and the 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 center cap was pointed uh, appropriately but we definitely made sure people knew to look up and see the uh, the Porsche Porsche font. So, Rob, what was the uh, you 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 handled a lot of the uh, the press and and PR for the classic Club Coupe. We spent you know three years keeping it a secret, and now we were ready to tell the world what what's been the reaction on the car since the reveal. Well, the results kind of speak for themselves. I mean, you can Google it and and see, but it 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 went really well. A lot of uh, Journalists, particularly the ones who are, are doing a lot of web work, tend to be in their 20s and in their 30s. And that's kind of the demographic sweet spot, I think, right now for the 996. Um, you know, they're the people that, that really weren't around for the, you know, the controversy when the 993 gave way to the 996. When they see the headlights of the car, they see GT1. So uh, the reaction was was really, really, uh, was really strong. It was, it was fun to read. Uh, uh, a lot of the the opinions that were written almost all positive. I think it was about a hundred percent positive. Yeah, I, I would agree, especially those that saw it in person. Uh, you can see the photos, and you'll be impressed by looking at the photos. But when you see this car in person, the uh, the colors, the the little bit of the the uh, sport gray metallic that that sparkles a little bit, changes colors a bit in the in the light and the the stripes on the car was all hand laid. It's, it's not a sticker set. It's, it's, it was all hand laid. Uh, and if you carefully run your finger across the clear above and to see how smooth the surface, it's like the details on this car is probably best built 996 ever. And I'm sure that's what Uwe and his, his team was going for is this is top level 996 had, had the factory have the opportunity, had the opportunity to build such a level car back in the day. What was it, Manny? You mentioned that this was sort of a prequel. Like, yeah, I called it the prequel to the uh, Sport Classic. Because <clears throat> Boris Aperdink, who's the uh, head of Porsche Exclusive, uh, he, that was his first project at Porsche with the Sport Classic. And uh, I had dinner with him one time many years ago, and he told me the whole story over dinner uh, about the Sport Classic. It was fascinating how this car was uh, approved. And, uh, you know, I always remember the part where he said Wendelin Wiedeking saw it for the first time and he looked at it and because of the paint, it looks like primer. Uh, you know, he said, when are you going to paint it? <laughs> and, uh, of course, that paint now is iconic. And I'm glad they kept that same type of paint. And what was the what's the color now on the Club Coupe? Sport gray metallic. Sport gray metallic. Yeah, it's a, it's a stunning color. It's uh, subtle, but it fits it perfect. And the lines of the uh, 996 really... Um, really shine it's 
it's a shame that the prices of 996s have gone up so much <laughs> because everyone now wants a 996 and there, the days of the $15,000 996 There's someone on gone. this podcast that recently bought a 996 <laughs> and I think he has dreams of building his own version of a sport classic. Is that true? Oh, I'm going to try and steal some of the look. But yeah, I mean, and you know the timing of when I bought my 996. It was literally... I want to say two days after we looked at the car in secret uh, in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. I got to tell you, I feel like Martha Stewart or somebody, you know, like trading on inside information. He's like, I, I saw this a, car. I got to buy a 996 now before everyone buys them all up. Well, um, so it's right, me. right. I, I felt like the the rankest kind of insider trader, but yeah, I did it anyway. So speaking of <laughs> approval and inside, what does this project mean to the folks at Porsche, Uwe? So one is for one for sure. Um, we we pushed the 996, and uh, up to now we received a lot of requests um, of customers international. Um, uh, so what what is what is what is uh, what is possible? So not to copy this car, but um, uh, are we able to? Um, uh, they want to have the color, for example. Uh, uh-huh. the, the, the have several uh, requests for a paint job. Mm. Um, this sport, uh, car, metallic, but uh, of course, um, this is just for this car. Um, all the spectral features are just for the classic club coupe. Um, but it's interesting to 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 hear that the the, the Porsche enthusiasts are um, are have those ideas and they are motivated to um, to something with their 996s. Well, certainly this conversation will continue around the Classic Club Coupe for the remainder of 2022 as we will take this car on a roadshow to all of PCA's national events and some other events that Porsche will like to see the car. And then it'll be destined to be in the garage of hopefully a a PCA member down the road. Um, So thank you, Uwe, for really all the time and effort that you, your team, the support from Porsche Classic AG, Porsche Classic North America um, to make this happen. It's, It's only the relationship that PCA and Porsche has that can make this happen. I can't think of any car club or any other manufacturer that takes a car to this level and have this sizable project. And we're so, so grateful for it. So please thank everyone um, back over there. Hopefully we'll get to come visit and, and maybe have a little party together with all the folks that worked on the car. But until then, please pass on our, our gratitude to them. So I want to say thank you as well. My complete team, I want to say thank you for this perfect and very um, very nice collaboration. Um, we were a fantastic team and, and you did your part uh, to realize this, this wonderful car. Thanks for my whole team. And we are looking forward to the next car. I'm just going <laughs> to... Plant that seed. <laughs> Plant that seed. So there. this car will be uh, that we know for sure. It's going to be at the Porsche Parade and yep. uh, and, Pen- and the Poconos in Pennsylvania. Yep, and it'll definitely be at the uh, Works, Works Reunion. Reunion in Monterey. I believe it's also slated for the uh, LA Auto Show, uh, and hopefully we'll have it at Unstock as well. So it's going to be you know we'll we'll definitely get the information out of where this car will be because you definitely 
want to see it in person. And, and hopefully back at PCA National Headquarters at some point, too, and we can do a little uh, unveiling there. And I think, I guess in some ways, uh, this is part of uh, um, the special wishes uh, department as Sonder, well. Sonder Punch? Is this, because, I mean, Grant Larson was assigned as the uh, designer mm-hmm. for this, correct? Yeah. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about the Sonderbunch program, Uwe? Or? Yes, the Sonderbunch program uh, is uh, the official um, business field to uh, fulfill uh, those dreams, those ideas. Um, you dream it, uh, we build it. This is the slogan. And yes, but it's not just about classic cars it's as well. Uh, the modern cars, um, which are responsible, um, the uh, another workshop and the colleagues in Sufenhausen. Um, yes, it is the, a very wonderful idea uh, to 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 make dreams come true. Absolutely, and you made our dreams come true. So again, thank you. Um, <laughs> let's switch a little gears a bit. Talk about uh, the Tech Tactics Live we just finished up last night. Yeah, it was uh, essential tools for beginner DIY maintenance. We were trying to um, um, uh, appeal to people who are afraid maybe to work on their own car, have a newer Porsche. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get so used to having done DIY that we think everyone knows how to do an oil change. But it can be very intimidating if you've never done it, especially, you know, when you're paying four or $500 for an oil change. People wonder why it costs that much when they see uh, at their local... Uh, quick lube for $39.99 and uh, obviously it's uh, apples and oranges uh, but uh, we had Peter Smith on who's a Goldmeister tech and uh, you know we, we talked about the, what tools you should have even just to do basic maintenance safety items and uh, he also told us how much dealerships invest mm-hmm. in, uh, in equipment training uh, for these technicians to be able to do uh, the maintenance on these cars. I was a little worried about that topic for Tech Tactics Live, because it didn't seem to me very technical, but we had a lot of people on live and it's doing well. And I think, you know, we we often forget not everybody has a lift in the garage. Not everybody can do what Damon does and, and pull a transmission. So it was, it was sort of a reset for those, maybe like Rob, <laughs> that, that needs to, Rob's like, what? I'm just kidding, Rob. I know you work on your own cars. Um, <laughs> but there were people that certainly appreciated that we kind of rewound and went to back to the basics and shared with them some of the, our favorite tools and, and listeners or viewers also shared their, their favorite tools on there. So that was uh, Tech, Li- Tech Tactics Live episode 45. Check that out if you didn't see it then. Damon, what's coming up on the video scene on your side? Uh, yeah, so we have a few videos in the hopper right now, and um, we're aiming to have a Works Reunion recap video uh, for uh, next week, which would be, let's see, March 22nd. Um, after that, we have an exhaust sounds video if you want to hear what a bunch of air-cooled Porsches sound like uh, revving their engines one after the other. Um, we have a video on that. That was taken at Porsche Parade. That should be out on March 29th. Uh, then after that, we also have a video on 964 Carrera RSs. Uh, we took uh, Manny's car as sort of the, the base example for comparison to an, a Carrera RS European model and an RS America. And I think, a, what was it, a Carrera RS Club Sport as well. Yeah, the NGT model, which yeah. is really rare. Mm-hmm. I also did uh, a video while I was at the LA Lit Meet that I got to get you the data files for that. Oh, yep, definitely. 
Oh, we're going to be doing a 914 video. We have a 914.6 uh, GT, factory GT, that uh, uh, it's coming in, uh, in in the town. So that'll be a pretty cool video, too. We always love there's so many, you know, 911s out there that we see on video and, and, and other Porsches. But it's nice to come back to the 914. Very cool. And Mr. Sass, what's up in the panorama world besides finding paper? <laughs> <laughs> well, only probably the most anticipated story, I think, I don't know, the last two or three years, the uh, first drive of the GT4 RS happened. Ooh, I'm so jealous. A couple of weeks that, ago. And you wrote that and because happened, you drove it. Yeah, and it happened just in time to make it into the issue that we're working on right now. So that's uh, that's what's coming up. But you can't talk about it right now, right? Not uh, not until the twenty second. Uh, oh, so you can't tell us what you thought of. No, actually, you can talk about it because this will not air for another ten oh. days. Oh, so you can <laughs> talk I'd about be it. Talking about it with you. Guys Let's not get in advance. <laughs> Uve, will you tell? <laughs> yeah. Let's I mean, not get Rob in trouble because he has to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, this is not a spoiler, but you know, the car is supernaturally good. And, uh, you know, you'll get to read some of the details in the next <sighs> issue of Panorama. So jealous. Did so you hold jealous. back like Georg Bergmeister or did you uh, go flat out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure he wants to tell us he went flat out, but I'm sure he was at quarter throttle. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, who's in front of me was Patrick Long. And, and uh, to say that I was a little bit nervous about following him would be a bit of an understatement. Wow. Wow. I can't wait to read it. Can't wait to see the photos. Oh. So, so jealous. Oh, um, yeah, the photos are fantastic, too. Um, Mark Urbano and, and uh, JF Musial were there, two just incredibly fantastic photographers. So uh, it's going to be good. Speaking of going to be good, parade registration, I think phase two uh, is about to go. Hopefully, by the time you read this, you have been registered for Porsche Parade in the Pocono. It's on track to set records, and we are so looking forward to it, especially because it's like three hours from PCA's national headquarters. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. Works Reunion Monterey, August 19th. Be there. We'll also have information online about registering your car there. And again, you'll see the classic Club Coupe there. Anything off as we get ready to sign off, gentlemen? All's good. I will ask if you're listening and you're enjoying the podcast. First, thank you for watching or thank you for listening. We did video for the first time on YouTube. Who knew people want to see our expressions and they thought it was an added benefit to the podcast. So I guess we'll continue to do I that. looked at the video and did you know I'm losing hair? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't realize that? <laughs> But please, if you're if you're listening or if you're watching, give us a thumbs up, give us a review, share what you like and what you didn't like. Um, Uve, thank you so much for joining us. This is our first guest from PAG, and I'm glad it was you. And I can't wait to uh, have other uh, other folks from PAG join us on the podcast. If you're cur if you're not currently a PCA member and you own a Porsche, what are you waiting for? Just get your VIN, sign up. It's super easy, $46 a year. Just go to PCA.org. And if you don't have a Porsche, you can join our test drive program and we'll help you find one. Until next time, everyone stay safe and we'll catch you down the road.